0: I was not expecting that gear at all. That was not where I thought we were going to start this. Yeah, <laughs> man.
1: I got to keep you on your toes, brother.
0: Me and the, the Mountain Dew, man. <laughs> Pounding these suckers.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's why you shouldn't do psychedelics when you're sitting across the <laughs> table from shit. me, man. I'm yeah. going to take advantage of it every goddamn time.
0: Freaking out, man.
1: Yeah, dude. And uh, we're back. <laughs> We are the owner of Inspire Pro, newly reminted Inspire AD. I am Max, this is this, seated across from me, pepped up on the Goofy Juice. And we are diving right back into the Red Oak Ballroom saga. Uh, and when last we spoke, we reviewed uh, the Forever event revealed reveal that i was really not digging the vibe of this new space yeah. like logistically it made a lot of sense there were perks the backstage thing was cool we had a fucking nacho bar which was sick as fuck yep. i think this show they improved upon it by giving us a soft drink cart which again yes holy shit
0: that's true
1: yeah um and i think uh i think yeah so joel's gone
0: joel is gone joel's gone <laughs> let's put somebody over yeah killer Kyle Kelly man yeah so like now from time to time these people that are extremely talented in their craft will come around and and take an interest in wrestling and there's sort of like a honeymoon period where they're like I really love this I I just want to help you guys out right and then it fades it always fucking fades right um Kelly has been around wrestling whatever the fuck he can do to help right and Phil jumps right in, right? As far as taking promo pictures for us. And, and over the years, has done whatever to help us out. Um, but has... And this is where it tugs at my heartstrings, right? St- starts from not knowing anything about photography and just learning as much as he can. And, you know, bridges the gap very well.
1: When when there is no ego, too, I find there is m- more of an inclination to challenge yourself and see how adaptable you can be. Because, yeah. you know, Kelly doesn't look at himself as kingly. He shouldn't have, you know, like, you know, that was the thing with certain people before him, you know, it had to be the conditions. You know, it's kind of like when someone goes, well, if there's nobody out there, I ain't playing, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, but Kyle, Kyle stepped up. Um, I, I'd also just like to say that he is just a delightful person. Yeah. He is someone that, i would spend time with you know outside of wrestling and i have um i i really love him as a person man he's he's funny as shit yeah he's knowledgeable he's he's a more of a well-rounded individual than a lot of people who are into wrestling there are, you know, a lot of peop- people people that, that love wrestling it's all they want to talk about but uh he kelly's just he's just a, a phenomenal interesting person and uh I was glad that we got to kinda of do some stuff with him starting here.
0: Yeah. And and you know, despite the fact that we didn't have uh, a, you know, massive media room, I think we ended up setting up the 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 promo picture station right around the corner in sort of the hallway and made it work and, and all that stuff. And sometimes it's about the size of the fight in the
1: dog. Yeah. You know, like he we we set up outside the double doors and it's you know it's it's an open space. He didn't have privacy, but it was still adequate. It was high, it was tall, it was diverse. He could fuck with it, and he did. Yeah. And I think that that's a testament to uh, him as a, as a great photographer. But yeah. you know,
0: yeah. And someone we haven't mentioned, but at this point, probably fifth or so show. This is when Ray Zombie was filming for us. Yeah. Um. I I had some issues with Ray. I know. You had some issues with, right? It was kind of the same deal. Here's this guy that's not from wrestling. Um,
1: he loves wrestling.
0: He, he Yeah. What, certain aspects of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, not to bury the guy, but he wasn't like just this crazy wrestling fan. He enjoyed the clips he saw of DDT and stuff like that, right? <clears throat> so, you know, and I think he was somebody that thought that he should be, you know, had his level of expertise valued at a certain level that really we were never going to be able to accommodate.
1: I was not willing to. Yeah. Um, I, I, I liked Ray. I thought he was a sweet person. Um, it's I continually battle with people who don't necessarily... They look at me as being one type of person, and it's like, you know, I've done a lot of shit, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm a filmmaker as well, and so I had ideas yeah. and... Uh, I, I don't like it when I I don't I I, I despise being big timed. Yeah. I sometimes felt like I was being big timed or talked down to when I was talking to him. Don't get me wrong, I thought, you know, I like Ray, but uh I don't think his work was always like untouchable. Yeah. I think he could have learned a lot from different people and just like studying tape and seeing what what worked and what didn't. I think that's one of the things that I really loved about uh Philip Librand, uh, who filmed their shows is that he did some stuff that was outside of the box but he took from like sports stories in the yeah. NFL. He did some interesting shit.
0: You yeah. Know? I, and that was part of my frustration with Ray was that, especially the first shows that he filmed, the interest was more in the cool tricks he could do with filming and filming style than it was capturing the event. Um, yeah. And here we see, we get more of a traditional um, wrestling presentation, which, which I'm happy about. Um, something else to touch on here is we've removed Nigel from the booth at this point. Um, We kind of, I always wanted kind of that sports John Madden and Pat Summerall feel to the commentary. And, but we also saw the benefit of being able to cycle through wrestlers and get them over through commentary, but it made the commentary inconsistent. Right? So then we brought in Nigel as your traditional color Against Amon's play-by-play, and it just—it wasn't working right. It—I it, um I won't say it wasn't working; it wasn't working how we wanted these stories to be presented. So at this point, we brought in um Alex Debario, had just been released from NXT. Uh, so we, we huge brought...
1: get, huge get for us, yeah. just because he's like a, you know, as a pundit, kind of respected in the community, and also just he's a great commentator, man.
0: Yeah. And, and I think I think this helped Eamon learn um, some new tricks and tools.
1: He was very excited about it.
0: Yeah. So this brought Alex in, and this was where we could start experimenting with the sports, kind of a sports broadcast team uh, presentation of the, the... I'm also a huge world-class fan of what they did with so little to make it look like what it did. And that's where they came from, right? It was all sportscasters that came in and did wrestling. So that was kind of my, my mind thought, like, okay, cool, let's let's do this. And this guy's got all these tricks that he just learned from working for, you know, the feeder promotion um, for a major company. Um, and what can we learn? So he also helped critique some backstage stuff. Um, and at this point, he's with the company uh, as well. So all those, those production things are kind of coming together, um, you know, so we have all that in place.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, man. We'll, we'll dive into the card. Um, I talk about just not vibing with the space. There were a lot... While there were a lot of things that we got to realize while we were at Red Oak, there were some things that I tried to kick off or launch that I also thought would have been really phenomenal if we could. Yeah. Um, the Void character returns this show. And I was very excited about this because... The last iteration of the Void Lady Void was something that took a concept that I thought was really fun and and colorful and just shat all over it. And so I was eager to bring the character back and redeem the character in much the same way that, you know, this is Fade to Black 2. Yeah. The year before we had done the first Fade to Black and it is bar none my least favorite show that we have ever done because it was just so fucked with. It was a wreck. And nothing came off like I wanted it to. It didn't flow the way I wanted it to. That particular event was notable because that's when I kind of just said, you know what, shut the fuck up. We're going to do what I want to do. If you don't like it, go kick rocks. That's the way it went. I love the Fade to Black name because it's nicked from a film that I really love. Uh, And so I didn't want to just ash can it. I thought it could be like a cool flagship show. And so we... I was determined to do a fade to black show that didn't suck ass, okay. <laughs> um, and this is a, this is a huge one. Um, so we bring we bring back the Void character. Uh, we bring in uh, 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 Mia Yim, who we had to advertise as Jade due to <laughs> restrictions imposed on us by TNA at the time. And of course, we've also uh, uh, built up. Um, this epic encounter uh, between our two champions, Keith Lee, who is our pure prestige champion, and and Ricky Starks, who who is the Inspire Pro champion. And this particular match also is very notable because um, it's two champions of color headlining a show. Yeah. And it's a big deal to me. I, I remember at the time that this show was happening, someone came to the show and they said that they felt uncomfortable with it, which I thought was really weird, because they were like, yeah. why am I cheering two black people beating each other up? And it's like, yeah, I think you're missing the point. The point of the yeah. show was that there were these two guys, both our champions, headlining a show. Yeah. It was such a, to me, uh, a point of realizing that we had created a an environment and a roster that was very different from anything that was going on in Texas.
0: Yeah, it, it's so weird to me. Um, I don't know what this statement really says, but I never I never really viewed either one of them as a, a person of color that was champion, right? They were just they were two of the biggest stars we had. They were just, they we were had, just great. Right? They were so, good. I mean so like it's so weird to me to 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 have it like just on the nose like that that somebody would would look at the, Someone the felt like someone that. felt
1: very guilty yeah. uh, obviously. Their their yeah, whole you know? their whole statement was like, "Why am I why am I cheering?" Like I feel like I'm yeah. at the Colosseum, but no. You yeah. know, and yeah, I definitely never really thought about anything other than the fact that these two guys are the fucking top they're just phenomenal you know there's no there's no motivation or politics behind this but this was when it started to be brought to my attention that hey you're doing this thing and doing it really well and you're making a difference for people of color in the business and it made me feel good um but anyway we'll jump we'll jump right into the card man we try some new stuff here we revisit some old ideas uh This, in particular, is more, I guess, me playing with someone facing uh, their past, kind of. Um, Void Returns. This is the fourth Void. The actual real Void. Yeah. Void 4. And uh, we have Void 4 wrestling against Terrell Tempo. And we do something interesting here where there are uh, several different voids yeah. in this match. They're rolling out of the ring, and you know, you know, one will disappear under the ring, and another one will come out the other side. And it's very, it's very clear that there's something, there, there's some shenanigans going on. And what occurs here is, eventually, Void Four is victorious over Turtle Tempo and unmask[s] to reveal gigolo james yep returning after uh getting put out by yep. andy
0: dalton i think this is the pile driver spot which never gets caught on camera yeah shamefully yeah you know but i think that's what in a big wild melee he had been pile driven on the floor and fans were really concerned, concerned. that he was actually uh, badly injured
1: yeah at the time at the time that he made his exit you know, we've talked about it before. He was just kind of over things, and yeah. he didn't really see himself coming back. And I remember Palmer reached out to me and said, Jigs wants to come back and do some stuff." He's in phenomenal shape, and he was. Yeah, he did not look like Gigolo James. He had no, kind of he, was he leaned had, out. He leaned out. He looked fantastic. And of course, I thought that wow, if he could move like this when he was not in this tip-top shape, I'm I'm very excited to see what he does here. Yeah. Um, Jiggs proceeds to, after the match, cut a phenomenal promo about what he's back to do. Uh, And the the other voids come out. Yeah. And they're unmasked, revealing Donovan Danhausen, of course, and Jason Cade, who is a guy that no one really had seen yet. But who was a phenomenally gifted... Wrestler from Florida. He had come in with Matthew Palmer. Palmer put him over huge. He was doing some crazy stuff in, on a lot of Florida iPay per views. Yeah. Um, phenomenal wrestler. We were happy to have him here. And this was supposed to be the start of something much bigger in terms of this void faction where Jigs would come in and just really be a bitter vet type character.
0: Yeah, I think didn't, they drove in, right? Yeah. Yeah, so this was going to be trying to set up a carload from Florida. Yeah. Um, Between Matt and matt
1: danhausen uh, and cade
0: yeah so of course danhausen was one half of the princes of the universe with tempo so you have the history there uh you know a lot of a lot of good stuff here mixed in um that we're hoping to dig into because we're gonna get this car load from florida consistently
1: yeah it, yeah or so we yeah, thought yeah um but it was it, it was um it was the start of something that could have been really, really great. It does not go where I wanted it to go. I was really mad because I thought the promo was great. Yeah. Jigs looked great. The fans were super all over this uh, because it was it was something familiar, but it had a good twist. People were excited to see Jigs back. They were excited to see Donovan again, and uh, and 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 of course, you know, just really setting up something for Tempo in the future, uh, arc wise, character wise, drama wise, something for the new movement. You know, there was there was a lot that could have happened here. Um and then from here we revisit something that we teased at the last show yeah. where we uh, have Cherry Ramones, who had has just broken away from the Rabbit Empire uh going up against Jojo Bravo who is still uh in line with Nigel but yeah, Nigel, I don't think Nigel's here Nigel's now. not here at this yeah. point so it just becomes kind of Cherry who had who had impressed uh at the last show going up against Jojo. Yeah.
0: In phenomenal shape at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, and this is this is a banger. I think this what this match was actually for a lot of people uh the match of the night. Surprisingly, yeah,
0: they, they uh, you know JoJo's sneaky like that, right? And you know Cherry's at his peak here. You know JoJo is always a threat to have a match of the night. Yeah, and Cherry's a. a Special level here. Yeah, this match is really good. This is a sleep. Yeah, this is it. a
1: sleeper hit. I mean, even fans talked about this coming out of this sh- this show because it's not it's not a, a a match with a name. Yeah, it's just an, a really expertly well wrestled match uh, with a great storyline uh, to it, and and so people were like discussing afterward on social media what the match of the night was. This was the sleeper hit to folks out there that are in the business wrestling such as t ray watford who's a longtime listener at this point (laughs) uh if you do go out of your way to see this match i swear to god you'll be really really surprised by it It, not that not that i know that you know that these guys are phenomenal but this match will 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 rob you of your breath you got to see it. um after 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 that match we go into a four-way tag team match this is an interesting one. Uh, it is where I get to debut new and whimsical characters. Maybe like one of (laughs) the last, like goofy, goofy gigs that I, I got to kind of play with where we debut the epileptic Caesars. Um, this is where I take two guys who are kind of like, they have something. There's a kernel of something there. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, Taylor jet, right. One of them was phenomenally talented. Yeah. But, uh, not to just jump in here, but... Phenomenally talented, but just didn't seem to, like, understand how wrestling worked, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. In a weird way. Like, he lived in his own little world, and then the other one was very in tune to wrestling and what needed to happen, but just wasn't as physically on the same level. So, you you would hope that they would, like, they would make up for that, but it didn't. Yeah. They, they kind of were not... Um,
1: they, I think they were just, I think they were kind of self-conscious, too, because sometimes yeah. when you throw people into uh, very broad gimmicks, they struggle to keep up because they feel self-conscious. So, the one thing that I can say here is that I love this gimmick. Um, it was these two guys who were kind of in togas, and they even had gear made, and the gear yeah. looked great. Um, you know, they, they, they went out there, did their thing, Went crazy. Yeah, they had. It was
0: it was like the Ultimate Warrior, right?
1: Yeah, and they had like you know Alka Seltzer in their mouth. You know, epile- epileptic seizures. They'd go out and like yeah. shake the ropes, and some people were a little uncomfortable with it. But yeah. I think this is actually a, a crowning moment. I'm moment I'm really proud of. Okay, so uh, these guys would continue to sort of be on cards, milking this gimmick for uh, several several shows to come, and I remember being approached by a mom and her little boy and she asked if the caesars were going to be on the card and i i asked uh yeah they're you know they're on the card you know and i said what well, uh, is is there something i can help you with and she said M- my little boy has epilepsy and he has seizures and uh he really loves these characters because they show him that he yeah. can do whatever he wants to do. And it yeah. made me feel so good that he realized that he wasn't just that we weren't just making fun of something. But yeah. it showed these characters that had an impairment, though they didn't actually have the impairment. They went out there, they you know, they 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 played this really goofy thing, but it meant something to somebody out yeah. in the crowd and it really empowered that little it, boy. And it
0: made me feel so good, man. Yeah. And and that's, you know, like I was I was somebody I knew how much you loved the name and the idea so it wasn't anything that i don't we never fought over this gimmick no but it was definitely something that i was nervous about just because of the name and and you would hate the reverse of that story right where somebody has that and they go oh they're making fun of me but we fortunately the presentation didn't come off that way we right?
1: didn't portray them ever though as being uh, jokes because yeah. we actually had high high hopes for them we really wanted to push them into a prominent space so you had these guys coming out and really kicking ass and being stars and yeah and and really getting over with the crowd so they were never made to be a gag they were never meant, meant to be uh, denigrated yeah they came out and they looked they looked good and in fact, they win this four-way. Um, so they were victorious in their in their debut. Yep. It was very clear that we had plans for them if you're really paying attention. Um, but also, let's talk about some other folks <laughs> <laughs> on this card. Okay, so, Biss.
0: Epitome <laughs> of wrestling. <laughs> epitome of wrestling, man. Oh, boy. A. So, Jackson and Thomas Solomon. So, A. Jackson, uh, I had gone down to... Twe or whatever the hell it would call it at the time, and uh, I had helped out Rudy Boy run his his uh, Texas Jacob, um, which for me was like this weird stamp of approval, right? That because you know, Rudy hates everyone, you know, like definitely somebody like us, right? Where Rudy, you know, he doesn't think anybody belongs in the business, so for him to reach out and go, hey can you help me run this thing was, was cool. Um, so this is where we came across fan, uh, El fantastico. And then like Rick Jackson was, he was the kid like everyone picked on, like he was the student that everyone picked on, but he, uh, he did really good on that show. And I really wanted to use him. So he was in this tag team with, uh, whatever the hell the guy's name is. Thomas Solomon. Yeah. yeah we'll go with that. Yeah.
1: Rike and Thomas.
0: Yeah. Like, I hadn't seen uh, Thomas Salvin but I had seen Rike, and he cut this really good promo. I was like, okay, man, if we ever had a spot, and we were looking for teams just to try out, right? <clears throat> so, hey, let's try uh, Rick's team out. We're
1: throwing, some, we're throwing some stuff at the wall here yeah, in this match.
0: We're, we're trying to find new tag teams, right? Um, and so they come down, and um, saw Thomas Solomon approach before this match even happens, approaches uh Davy Vega, who is wrestling with controversy against the Submission Squad in this show, uh to tell him how sorry he is that he has to work with uh with the submission squad because of how <laughs> terrible they are. Now this is hilarious because Davy Vega travels with the submission squad. So like apparently he was just talking shit to try to like get good on on people's good sides. But as you can tell from this podcast, the last thing we try to put up with is drama in the locker room. And like Pierre could have easily come up and been like, hey, kick this guy the fuck off the show. And we would have probably thrown his bags out before the fucking show started. But they didn't really tell us until after and be like, hey, man, just keep an eye on this. Like, we don't want any drama popping up in the locker room. And uh it's basically the last time you see the epitomes of wrestling. <laughs> the epitomes but, of wrestling. Yeah. Is
1: so good. Uh we should steal that name. <laughs> um and just you and do it, epitomes of wrestling. But uh, uh, backstage though, didn't like uh didn't Evan walk up to Thomas and say something? I yes. Think, yeah. the,
0: oh no, Pierre did. Pierre, okay. Yeah, Pierre uh Pierre's a gangster man. Like uh you look at that guy and you don't think so, but that that guy's probably broken fucking fingers before. Like um, <laughs> like, you don't want to like be late on a loan payment to Pierre Abernathy. You know what I mean? Like, um, but yeah, he he just went straight up confronted him and was like, Hey, if I was like this, I would just get you kicked off this fucking card. But like, you shouldn't really talk shit and you should really know who you're talking shit to when you are talking shit. So, you know, poor Rick Jackson, like he, he got the tag team, the shot, but his tag team partner screwed him over and, we haven't used them since, um, but this this is a really fun spot. It starts off with a fucking indie taker, like yeah. Danhausen and Cade hit the fucking indie taker. It's the first move of the match. Um, it's just this ridiculous spot fest. Um, it's not like it's not Ben Law and Malenko like technical style wrestling. It's just spots, and uh, to me, it's a lot of it's fire, fun. It's coming fireworks, back, right? man. Yeah, it's
1: fireworks, and it you know you had this really. Really unexpected unexpectedly physical and phenomenally wrestled match with Cherry and, and JoJo. And yeah. then you come into this and like I said, it's just uh it's it's a nice palate cleanser, but it's also really exciting to watch. It's it's a it's a very fun match. And of course we got to get Kate over. People were really excited about him. Uh Donovan's back. Yeah. I guess at this point we can kind of let the cat out of the bag that some stuff happened where Gigolo never comes back. Yeah. Uh, Donovan uh, never comes back. Yeah. And Cade, we have trouble getting back because he just gets really busy. Yeah, he He takes off at this point. Yeah, he takes off and he gets very, very busy and he's in high demand. Um, And so our schedules just really never line up. But the situation with Gigolo was that um, he knew that we always had difficulty getting dates and nailing dates down, right? Yeah. And... Uh, Gigolo was at the time wrestling for some weird, weird podunk company where he held a title, and even though he had kind of begged to come back, and Palmer had kind of gone to bat for him, I was pissed that yeah. I was still holding a grudge over the fact that he had bowed out after put <laughs> we put him in a match with fucking Ricochet of all people. Yeah, we you know? went
0: through this before, right? Like, yeah, yeah. We, we,
1: we, you know, but I'm like, okay, I like you, so we'll give you another chance. Palmer goes to bat for him. And of course, he leaves Palmer standing there with his pants (laughs) around his fucking ankles, you know, looking stupid because he basically blows off a date for this angle that we're trying to set up. He's not willing to work with us or accommodate us in any way. And so at that point, I'm just like, look, I'm not willing to just I'm not doing like little dribs and drabs with you. What you're doing here has context and we're building to something bigger. So at this point, I'm just like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. And we ash can the angle. Yeah, Donovan moves. I think out of Florida. He moved to where did he move to?
0: The, um, was it Michigan? No, no. He was still he was still in Florida. Uh, he just beca- he became busy as well. Oh, okay. And like it just like also losing Cade in the car load. the The car load from Florida to Texas always seemed like this is gonna fucking work. It's a long fucking drive. It is. It's a long fucking it drive. Is. So. I mean, it's great for us. It helps us get four people all at the same time. But man, like it really puts in perspective what this mission squad did for year after year after year where those same four to five people would get in the car and go 20 hours one way to make shows. It's not easy. And you they are the last of a dying breed because you don't see people being able to do it anymore. You see people that want to get their name out. But you don't see them actually doing what's needed to do it. Yeah. They want to get flown. They want to get, you know, everything covered to, to actually travel, potentially at a loss. You don't see people actually doing that to get their name out.
1: No. No. But, you know, so the, the Void gimmick dies this night. Um, I wasn't willing to, to do... to. I, w- I just wasn't willing to to... to gamble on on jigs he was just not reliable he wasn't willing to make our stuff a priority and i'm just gonna say it at this point you know i get i get that he was being loyal but um i think it even came down to us actually reserving the booking first and him taking it and then him having this other date pop up, but because he held the title, he prioritized it. Yeah. And to me, that just went against every fucking rule that I'd had drummed into my head where you t- you you honor the booking that you took first. Yeah. Well, he wasn't willing to do that with us. We'd welcomed him back and forgiven him for like basically squandering a spot that could have gone to somebody who would have really appreciated it and ran with it. He fucked us over once, then he fucked us over again. I wasn't about to let him fuck us a third time without a reach around. Anyway, um... Moving right along though, uh, it was unfortunate because Kate and Donovan were a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, they it was. You really had something with those two. Yeah, Um, which is crazy to think like now it's it's Danhausen and the the teeth and all that stuff, but like them as a tag team was really good.
1: Yeah, Uh, I'm gonna let you take the the reins on the next one.
0: Yeah, this is this becomes. uh, <clears throat> the death of Blancherage. So we need to get into um, to a bunch of stuff here, I guess. Um, Delilah Doom defeats Laney Luck, and this is basically we're we're trying to bring up the female students that are now um, around and at our disposal, right?
1: We were supposed to be doing something different here. Actually, um, this was supposed to be where we debuted Angelus and Delilah uh, yes. as a tag team, and
0: against Blancherage.
1: Against Blancherage. And we don't get to do that because Angelus doesn't make the show. Yeah, she
0: she moves to Bloomington, Bloomington, Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Which, not the easiest airport to get people from. (laughs) No. Which, uh, should she have been flown at this point anyway? It's up for debate, if we're going to be honest. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. But it was also, I think, I believe it was kind of last minute, you know? (laughs) you really need for planning when you're going to do when you're putting people in because you want to take advantage of uh you know the lowest rate that you can yeah uh airfare wise anyway so angelus is not available does doesn't make the show is a last minute thing um laney we decide to push into the opportunity where she wrestles doom and so that means that Allie is kind of relegated to an outside the ring role. She's outside the ring. Yeah. And at the same time, we do. Do we know that Lainey's leaving at this point, or is that just like a, a rumbling?
0: <clears throat> that's what I want to get into because that's going to ravish our card, and that that's information that came down on this show.
1: Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So
0: so let's jump into that, right? So, um, there's a guy that I guess was an entrepreneur in Kansas City whatever had come across quite a bit of some of money and was a wrestling fan and had put together this PWL uh pro wrestling league I think is what it was they had advertisements up at the um sports stadiums the baseball stadiums in both St. Louis and Kansas City at the football stadiums they had money to advertise and, and it were, was it couldn- was like
1: some like MLB kind of <laughs> MLB kind of Kind of like look to it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the
0: branding was very similar.
1: It was, it was very much, it, it seemed like it was run, being run by some dude that was like really into baseball. Honestly. Yeah,
0: and um, I think his name was Major even, right? So that was his nickname or whatever. So he was actually signing people to contracts. So at this point, Moonshine Mantel had moved up because he was getting consistent bookings in Kansas City and he had been signed. <clears throat> Bolt Brady had been signed. So Bolt was moving back to Kansas City, and at this point him and Laney were together, so Laney was moving up with him so where we thought we had this major arc with this these female students that had just graduated now Laney was moving to the midwest
1: and there was a an air of like exclusivity too for these people who were actually moving up to do this company.
0: They were one hundred percent exclusive yeah. now, the way I find out about this is that Pierre comes up to me and goes, "Well, miss um." Uh, our last show will be in December because I signed a contract and I'm laughing. I think he's ribbing me. right? <laughs> I love Pierre to death, but you know, and he's like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he comes up to me later on. He's like, Hey, uh, just so you know, like I'm not fucking with you. Like here's the deal. And I'm like, Oh shit. Right.
1: <clears throat>
0: so, uh, Pierre bolt, Moonshine have signed exclusive deals. Pierre is going to basically runs creative. He's supposed to start off just running St. Louis. He ends up basically running it all. Um, Bolt signed Moonshine signed. Some of the other guys are going to be involved, but they, they're not exclusive Vegas signed, but he's not going to be exclusive. Gary J Evan, not exclusive, but going to be involved with this. But what that does is that takes away, you know, Here's this tag team that we're, we're starting off with uh, Chico and the man with Bolt and, and El Fantastico that gets cut out from underneath us. Laney gets pulled. So Blancharaj actually Ali turns on Laney to kill this. And we start to march down the end. we basically have one more date with submission squad uh, as a team after this. So, right. So um, a lot of dominoes all in one night yeah. to, uh, to kind of go, well, I guess let's let's do this. And so, it,
1: do, it doesn't end here, but we'll get to the other other components that kinda of fell apart, you know, yeah. later on. But okay, so But
0: yeah, this is happening in the background too. Yeah. So yeah.
1: so Laney you know, Delilah and Laney have their match, but we have it so that, you know, Allie turns on Laney. We figure if Laney can make it down, this is some at a later date if yeah. something changes, we have a built in storyline here, so Laney and Allie can kind of have a rift. But we're going to use this as an opportunity to kind of start pushing Allie. You yeah. know? Um, Allie was not happy. But at this point, there was really nothing we could do. We had no way of anticipating that Angelus would not be available. This was just our best fix. Yeah. But it also poised her to kind of make a leap into the main roster as a singles competitor. So it was just kind yeah. of like sometimes you have to just eat it to get to the good part, you know? Um, we, and that's, that's what we did here.
0: Yeah. And, and this is, this is that situation where it's like, we did it on purpose, right? It's like, no, no. It's like shit happens. And we roll with the punches. The best. This is can.
1: why I think I didn't always, I didn't really get along with Allie. Yeah. Um, because she would get mad at me when things didn't go her way and it was almost like she acted like I was doing it to spite her or like I was being inconsistent. It's like I'm not <laughs> like, making like, my like fucking lean. Yeah, I'm not making I'm not trying to make this harder. This is just a hand that I'm dealt with and I do my best to handle it. You know what I you know what I mean? Yeah. Um anyway, uh up next we have a really fun match where controversy uh Goes up against the submission squad, and this is interesting because it's kind of like a heel versus heel match, <laughs> but it's it's kind of wanky and yeah. fun. But also, as you may recall, I get kind of a, a bright idea for a really stupid wrinkle, which actually allows the submission <laughs> squad to lose and builds towards something really dumb for their final show with us. Yeah. So on the last on the last show, uh, Pierre had revealed that Barrett had crumbled under their tutelage and had just simply died. So Barrett Brown is dead. And so what I did was I reached out to, to Barrett and I said, hey, man, so this is how we handled it. And Barrett thought it was hilarious, the death thing. And so I said, so, okay, I know that you're like, and, you you know, you got this NWA title and you're, you know, you're really busy. It's very hard to nail you down. But I'm wondering, can we do something where you record your voice from beyond the grave <laughs> and like we'll play it over the submission squad match but it's just going to be you like booming in a ghostly voice and <laughs> and so basically they're wrestling and uh out of nowhere submission <laughs> squad Pierre Evan <laughs> and <laughs> basically it's just Barrett Brown's ghostly voice booming over the PA, um, threatening to take one of their lives <laughs> from beyond the grave. And of course, Evan and Pierre are real freaked out, and that allows Tim and and Vega to get the drop on them. And but like you know, this is the crowd response to this is pretty good, I believe. Yeah. I don't. It, it, how did it come off when you reviewed it?
0: Oh, it, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's weirdly muted because of the, the audio, but it, it yeah, the crowd's like cracking up. Yeah. Um, there's, there's also like, there's the story that where the Smith, Smith squad will always film tons of promos for you. So I don't know how much of this stuff got used. Cause I know on the actual broadcast, most of it's gone and it's not on the YouTube. So it this is part that drives me nuts.
1: Maybe lost the time.
0: Yeah but they would film promos where the submission squad was like trying to steal Tim as a friend from Vega and Vega would freak out whenever they would be talking to him. Right. (laughs) So they kind of play some of that into this match too. Um, Just great stuff.
1: Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, basically Barrett Brown's ghost challenges (laughs) the submission squad to a match uh, at the next event. And basically says that he is going to take, one of their lives. He's going to take one of their souls, and I think mainly he's like threatening Pierre. Yeah. But it's just this weird effect-laden threat from Barrett Brown from Beyond the Grave, <laughs> booming through the air, and people are losing their minds. Uh, and this is going to build to a match that is still one of my favorite <laughs> things that we've ever done oh uh, at the next show.
0: Um. So, let's get into how. <clears throat> We got Jade Mia Yim to the show, right? So there's there's a promoter. Let's call him a promoter. Sure, why not? Right. His name is Jason, and he he's center. He's um, in Houston.
1: Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about.
0: So he, before this show, he hits me up and is basically like, "Hey, would you be interested in Mia? Um, I have this show going on." It's not his show. So basically what happens is that he brings in a named talent from TNA, um, always from TNA. And then that allows him to sell toys and merchandise and eight by tens at the show. So he's bringing in um, Jade Mia to this show and I'm like okay I'm thinking it's his show right so cool I'm gonna split he split flight and I'm like okay um how is she gonna get to Austin oh so-and-so's on the show he's gonna take her over okay well I need to get hotel set up so first guy falls out second guy falls out right and this is gonna play into effect later on so Saturday night, I have to drive to Houston because everyone that's supposed to pick them up and bring them to the show has fallen out. This is Jessica and and Jade. So I have to drive to Houston to this show. When I get there, it's a half Lucha, half American show. Okay. So there is a tag team of wrestlers Um, on this show. I get there. It's It's not his show even. Let me let me get to the very beginning. There's a guy that goes out and almost has to be reassessed. Um, he needs CPR almost after wrestling like a 10-minute tag team match. Like he gets to the back and can't catch his breath. I'm like, what the fuck am I at? Um, but later on, there's a tag team match. And both wrestlers are wearing a mask of a, a wrestler, uh, a monkey Diablo, that I knew. Like I, I knew him when I was coming up and I thought it was monkey. I thought it wasn't. He aged and I just didn't recognize him, but it wasn't. They just had his fucking mask and we're a tag team spoke. Uh, the older gentleman spoke no English. <clears throat> the younger guy I thought was his son. Wasn't, it was like his nephew or something. Lucha. So I think it's, it's monkey, but it's, it's just, they just have the same mask. It, it, it's, it's the same gear. They they're obviously aping the guy. Um, but it's the older gentleman speaks no English, and it's his nephew, I guess is what he said he was. <clears throat> so they go out and I guess to get heat, they start tearing the building apart, right? It's a nothing match, right? So they work their way over, and me is at the the merch table where they're selling the toys and all that stuff. They go like they're gonna throw them into the toys. And Mia jumps up and is like, no fuck you, get away from the table. Basically, you know, steals their heat. But they're being assholes. So, like, no issue here at all. So, finally, she's like, they they keep trying, like, they're gonna go through her. And she stands her ground against these two Lucha guys. And they're two... Finally, the ref just throws the match out. It's uh, Zen Zen, who's like this muscled up guy. um, Who used to be a wrestler. So... Um, So it all goes to the back and they're screaming at each other. So here I am. My name talent for the next show is about to get in like a knife fight in the back of a fucking Lucha promotion. <laughs> right? So I'm trying to fucking like calm this down. And at some point um, there was there's like a fan, a box fan. And I hear like what sounds like a taser. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? Right. And I look over and uh, it's, it's Zen Zen. And he's got, there's something where he's, and it's on his pants and it's up against it. I'm like, bro, it's cool. And I put my hand up and, and it, it moves and it's just like his cell phone or something. is hitting it. I'm like, fucking thank God. Um, and we, we calm everything down and I finally go up to him and I'm like, yeah, man, I thought you had a taser. He's like, oh no, my firearms on my back pocket. I'm like, oh, (laughs) what the fuck? So. Yeah, we get through that. There's almost this fucking fight at this stupid Lucha show. Um, we get to the end of the show. And, like, I have to, like, sneak her out the back door to get her out. <clears throat> so, um, we grab her. We, we get on the road. We get something to eat. I drive all the way back from Houston. And I have the show the next day, right? So, I get them. I get them set up in the, the hotel and then I go home, I sleep as much as I can, and I come I come to the show, right? So this is my day before the fucking show. So like, yeah, uh, hanging out with the wrestlers sometimes, not the fucking like glamorous thing that you might think it would be. Not at all, so, not at all. But this match is amazing. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, I knew I wanted to do this match.
1: I did too, as Mia, Mia's like one of my favorite wrestlers, yeah. period.
0: So, So, but they ended up doing the same match in Houston, but no one was there. So I didn't really care because they were able to work out some like kinks.
1: Yeah. We got, that was the dress rehearsal. Yeah. Okay. So, but it was, it was a great match. I was stoked to have Mia again. Um, I don't remember if there was anything hinky with Jessica. Was there any character wrinkles we were supposed to add to this?
0: No, this, this was sort of very pure. Like this would have been Ivory Robin. Yeah. Right. But we got Jessica, or we got Mia, right last second, or not last second, but within the creative period. So we ended up going with that.
1: Yeah. And up next we have the match that I kind of <laughs> lamented last time, where it's it's a we we're, we're this began several shows ago when uh, Mike Dell and Ricky Starks had their match, and Carson was a special referee. And that spun into Mike versus Carson, which I wanted to do something different, okay? They wanted to work together. I thought that we needed, a, we, we needed a, a real heavyweight tag team. And I thought that, well, maybe I can pair them together, you know? Maybe if I pair them together and I move them toward, you know, tag gold, maybe, just maybe I can do something unique here. And I'm thinking in my head... Yeah, I can build up Carson and Dell and maybe I can build up Tim and Vega and kind of start to make people sort of like them. This is what I'm working yeah. toward. I'm working toward a a, a face turn yeah. for controversy and I'm hoping that I can build up Carson and Mike as these heel tag champs eventually, you know? And I have some really grand, crazy ideas as to what they can do when they're holding these belts that can be individually defended because our rules dictate that our tag belts can be won or lost in singles matches. There's some interesting stuff that we can play with here, right? I wanted to do just one match, where it was a lumberjack match, and then I was kind of convinced that, eh, we should drag it out to two matches, so I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll do this to appease them, so here's this lumberjack match, and in my head, what I really wanted to have happen was, there are these two bulls in the china shop, and not even the lumberjacks can contain them, so basically, the lumberjacks are beating on them, but Carson and Mike just cannot be pulled up apart from themselves, like, from their their battle, but eventually they start to get annoyed, and they're just potatoing the lumberjacks, and then eventually it turns into them fighting the lumberjacks together, and then the lumberjacks overcome them, throw them in the ring, and, uh, like, just hit their finishing maneuvers on them one after the other, you know? And they leave Mike Mike and, and Carson in the ring ass out, and then we see them come back later on, we'd hope, where they would attack all the Lumberjacks systematically over the course of several cards, and then this would build toward them getting a title shot as a tag team. That's what I envisioned. But that isn't how this ends, either. No.
0: No, this ends just in a, a no contest.
1: No contest. Um...
0: I think the Lumberjacks do end up attacking them right but yeah but they fight they fight them off because they fight in the crowd yeah but they
1: but they but they fight the lumberjacks off and it's just them standing in the ring kind of yeah hey we're okay with one another kind of moment yeah uh it it doesn't it didn't work for me it's not what i wanted creatively and so i felt like at this point "Eh," i kind of fizzled yeah uh in terms of just wanting to do stuff with this with these guys because they just they they were being very resistant to what i was trying to execute and at this point I just I just didn't care. Yeah. I was just, you know, you you could see Dell and Carson anywhere, but the story that I wanted to work toward, which was Tim and Vega versus Dell and Carson, I thought that had legs. Yeah. And, and something you couldn't see anywhere. Yeah, it was something you couldn't see anywhere and they just they didn't understand it. And so I don't I think we kind of move away from, we we kind of we kind of pump the brakes on on these guys after this point. Yeah,
0: the you are we're coming up very soon on the last that you'll see of them. Yeah.
1: Moment. Yeah. <clears throat> um anyway, up next we have something glorious. I'm gonna let you go Dude, into this.
0: Yeah. The before this match, like they just death stare each other. This is Steve O'Reno versus Palmer and this is the first time we've done it, right? One on one. So they just they just death stare each other. And Matthew these these are two guys that are Very underrated, you know, for different reasons. And they don't always get the attention I think they deserve for the work and the quality of work that they put in. And this is just the two of them putting in... I mean, every time they touched, it was magical, you know? Yeah. But there is a real tangible, like, hate between them for two guys that are technically baby faces, you know? Shades Uh, of gray, but like... Shades of gray, yeah. But at the same time... I mean...
1: We've built up to this, too. Yeah. We've really built up to this. Um, Palmer, but, of course, is, uh, have uh, Palmer and Steve have issues that have kind of built up over the last few shows. Steve, of course, had attacked Andy Dalton on his way out after he won the J Crown. Palmer interrupted the attack. Steve-O attacked Matthew's character via promo. Yeah. Uh, then after that, they met in the congressional uh, Medal of Honor, the the, uh, the challenge to determine who who would take the metal uh, that really flirts with this. And of course that built to this singles match. So there was, there was like a, there was something that we were really building and it, it was magical. There was something yeah. really here. Um, this is, I think this is Matt transitioned very well from his feud with, with Andy Dalton, which I think is definitive inspire pro yeah. to this, which is again, another really definitive feud for us.
0: Yeah. Um, this, this is for five shows. This is going to be the thing. Yeah. You know,
1: but it's a great match. And, I mean, and
0: there's a lot of other stuff going on. So for that to be the, the vein during that time is crazy when you think about it.
1: Yeah. You know? Phenomenal <clears throat> phenomenal match, though. Um, which, of course, you know, yeah, we'll talk about on the next next show. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: Palmer picks up the victory here, but, you know, it's it's clear that the feud isn't over.
1: No, you know? not at all. Uh, and, of course, this brings us to... this. A huge match. I mean, <laughs> this like, this, show, this card is just like, it yeah. just doesn't stop. It just doesn't quit, yeah. you know. Uh, up next, we have Sammy Guevara versus Ray Rowe.
0: Yeah. This is another just banger, right? Yeah. So, this is another, like, I mean, we knew, right? These are two guys. Sammy's on his way up here. Uh, Ray, Ray is slowly doing more and more with Ring of Honor and, and other promotions at this point. Well, not other promotion. Well, yeah. Because at this point, New Japan and those tours are starting to happen, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, and this is just phenomenal. These are two incredible athletes. And at the very end, Sammy Guevara goes over and tells Ray Rowe to get the fuck out of his ring. Which it and, becomes a stick. Yeah. And and Ray just knees the fuck out of him. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and then at, at the end of this, Ray tells him, "Uh, you're lucky because next month you're going to face Eddie Kingston, and if you tell Eddie Kingston that, he's going to break your fucking jaw. And it's become this thing. It's a it's a lot of fun.
1: It's great, uh, and Sammy's just he, even though he's kind of this despicable snot-nosed prick, <clears throat> the fact that he mouths he dares mouth off, yeah is so great because it just shows that he's just so fearless and he doesn't care. And there's yeah. something to really admire about that 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 quality. I, I feel like we did a good job of really bringing out as likable as Sammy ever got in any company here with, with really kind of taking that, that little kernel of his personality, his fearlessness, yeah. his tenacity, and really spotlighting it. He's still Sammy. He's still a jerk. But the context under which he's saying... Get out of my ring. This is his catchphrase. At that point, it could have been on a T-shirt. In fact, I think we had plans to do that, but yeah, it just it didn't happen. Uh, But yeah, this this was a phenomenal match. And this, of course, this is also kind of bold. I think, by the way, like when I when I look at this card, like so we had um, we have a lot of singles matches here. Like during the last uh, half of the show, you know, we have Carson and Dell, which is in spite of the hiccups, in spite of not being what I wanted it to be. Still a really good match for what it was. It's a great uh, singles match. And then we have Palmer and Stevo, another great singles match. And then we have Sammy and Ray, another great singles match. Which brings us to our main event, which is a definitive moment in Inspire Pro history that pays off years of world building. Where Keith Lee, the Pure Prestige champion, versus Ricky Starks, the Inspire Pro champion, to determine the title ranking of the two titles in Inspire Pro, which we have not said whether or not, you know, Keith has asked, am I the secondary champ? Am I the primary champ? This is obviously something that needs to be addressed. It was designed to be this way. Um, This is a great match. Yeah. But.
0: But no, let, yeah, let's, let's tie that off. Right.
1: It ends weird. Um, Yeah. Of course, we had we had designed it that Keith Lee would win. Ricky was not happy about this. No. And um we had plans to continue to go with the storyline. But Ricky kind of goes into business for himself here. Is that a fa- fair way of saying that?
0: R- remind me.
1: He threw the belt down. He wasn't supposed to.
0: Yeah. He was he was well he was going to relinquish he wasn't but it wasn't supposed to. wasn't that like he was gonna okay
1: anyway this is this is this is a great match it has a big main event feel. it is a big deal um, and of course it's it's funny when you look at where these both of these guys are now yeah you have Keith on the main roster over at uh, the big company yeah.
0: New and York then, brother
1: yeah and then you have Ricky killing it over an uh, aew as part of uh, Team Taz and uh, you know they've both gone on to do great things. they're both phenomenal we are we are very we were blessed to have them at this point yeah. in time in their careers and holding our titles but also just this symbolized so much and it, a lot of it was what I wanted it to be. Um, of course Keith goes over and the match concludes with Ricky basically laying the title down and saying well if I'm not the top champ I don't I don't want this. Yeah. I think I think there was something else that we had designed in here where Ricky's response was supposed to be very different um and we yeah. had other storylines planned where Ricky was supposed to come back and you know
0: the redemption.
1: There was supposed to be a redemption angle which of course never happened because Ricky was pursuing outside interests. Um he yeah. was he was really interested in doing this this uh tag team with Aaron Solo. Uh Ricky, I think I think there was something personal here where he didn't want to take the loss to Keith uh for whatever reason. Yeah.
0: There's um the interest in this match is, is a lot of the, the behind the scenes stuff, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so this match was basically set up to for Ricky to move into being able to do tag stuff with solo. Right. Which comes right in the middle of him being in our main event scene. Yeah. Um, so this, I, was,
1: this was supposed to be his out. Yeah. You
0: know? yeah. So as we get closer to the match, he after originally agreeing to it has more and more issues with it. Right. So I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I met him at a bar the Friday before the show. He he was like begging not to do it. No, you didn't tell me this. Yeah. So I met him the Friday before and he was begging me not to do it. And I was like, there's not, I don't think we can creatively come up with anything else to do this. Like we, everything has been built towards this. You know, we need to do this. Um, Obviously we never talked about it because the next day, I end up driving to fucking Houston.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So,
0: like, we never have a chance to talk about it. And so, um, I think the Sunday of the show, I'm like, hey, man, I had to drive to Houston. Are you cool with doing this? And it was basically like, if it's what we're doing, we'll do it. Right? Like, Okay. I I, I assumed we were good. You know, I talked to him at the show, and he's like, you know, he, he was obviously frustrated. With, ha- with having to do it but he had agreed to do it and we had built everything towards it
1: I think I the, the one thing too I, I want to say I think what I really got a sense of was that he felt like since everybody was strapping a rocket to Keith he just felt like everybody's doing this yeah. why do we have to do this yeah you know but I also think that there were maybe some problems with just personal problems with yeah. people having a uh, issue with Keith personally at the time which I don't know yeah I don't know the nuts and bolts <clears> of but I know that that not everybody got along. Um but yeah at, at the end of this like basically Ricky says well I didn't win why should I have the belt it's not the yeah. pro- it's not the promo I designed Yeah. Um but it you know it it wound up being what it was he vacates the title Ricky takes Ricky Ricky, Ricky is about to take a little time off that we do see him in one more match. Yeah. Uh but it was it was very difficult like Cause he just kind of wanted to do this thing out of nowhere. Like he didn't. Yeah. He wanted to do tag stuff, but I also kind of felt like he wanted to hold the belt as well. Yeah. Which he, didn't didn't work.
0: I I think he was wrestling inside of his mind. Let Let's cover everything that was going on. Right. Uh, number one, he wanted to tag with his buddy. Yeah. Aaron Solo. But he is one of the top individual acts in the state. Yeah. And at the same time all this is going on, and not to harp back on it, but I'm really going to dive into it next podcast, Wrestle Circus is there. Yeah. And he is the first one that they are grabbing onto and saying, we want you in solo, you know? Yeah. So there's that, too, that that's sitting there. So there is a new girl at the dance, you know? We've, we've been hanging out for fucking five years now, and there's a, a new hot girl on the block, right? So I think that definitely played into oh, yeah, it as no. well.
1: There, there was there was definitely there there were options yeah. at this point, and yep. uh, this yeah there
0: was so so that definitely played in too, right? So I mean, when you really look at it, at this point, there's three major pillars going on right now. You have Ricky Starks who has the title. You have Keith Lee who is a star, and is ascending, and then you have Sammy Guevara who's coming up too. And uh, we'll get into that more in, in future podcasts. But we're trying to time this, right? We're trying to time this to where we're hitting all three at the right time. Um, it, it's it's a good problem to have, to have three guys at that quality all ascending at the same time. But this is why the beats happened. You know, Starks wanted to do the tag thing, and he was dead set on it. You know, I think he agreed to the, to the thing because he knew it got him to the tag thing. But I don't think he thought about exactly what it what it meant, and it clicked as a reality. What
1: thing. what what also didn't make sense was the only other option would have been to let Ricky win, to take his belt and make it the primary belt, and then he moves into a tag situation with this primary <laughs> yeah, belt. It's like what what does this fucking work, man? Yeah, and there was really nothing that there was no time to really resolve it. It's like what, you win this title ranking match that we build to for like the entire lifespan of the company and then you drop it at the next show? It just it was unceremonious. It was everything that I don't like about wrestling as a solution. I didn't want to do that. To me it made more sense to have Keith win it. Because Keith was very dedicated to us at that time too. He was very dedicated. He was very popular and uh you know he was the guy, man. And 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 he really is as, as such a, he was really a long reigning champion for us yeah. even at that point. He had the momentum. And this was just something that I think made the belt feel even more, actually more righteous. To me, the yeah. belt really came into its own at this point in time yeah. because of this match.
0: Look at what that belt has become. Yeah. I mean, you look at the people that have held that belt. I mean, Ricky included, right? It's, yeah. it's something else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anyway uh insane card really really kind of a kind of a stormy one but <laughs> i I feel like it redeemed the brand of fade to black. <laughs> it was a good event we did some good stuff, we took on a lot of really dumb issues and made them made the most of the mud pies we were given, so to speak but yeah this was this continues. To my my feeling of just like not really feeling like we're clicking with the space. Yeah. Um,
0: this is a mat the uh, card format that I love. Like if if we could do every show with this format, I wouldn't blink an eye. Like to go down another path. Yeah. Um, I I love. This is like your Starcade fucking 80, 85 type, right? Yeah. Where it's just everything is just fucking a different style but like the best of the best doing it um, yeah and I, I love that about this card
1: yeah anyway well the layout of the card is great but still something's just not there Some, for me something's right not now right and something's not right but anyway we'll uh we'll continue to slog through these little <laughs> ballroom shows next week when uh when we uh it, battle
0: wars is here you. it's gonna make everything right
1: yeah yeah it's gonna yeah.
0: save the day yeah keep
1: the dream alive just like
0: always, this is all we have to work for <laughs> we just get the battle wars everything will be okay yeah yeah
1: all right well yeah. keep your fingers crossed folks <laughs> we'll discuss that on the next show